This is a podcast about Jeopardy. Hello and welcome to Potent Potables, your weekly Jeopardy podcast where two former competitors bring you recaps and analysis of the week's Jeopardy episodes, a deep dive into a topic inspired by one of those episodes, and a quiz. I'm Kyle. And I'm Emily, and this is the week of January 10th through the 14th, uh, and we are still with Amy Schneider. Yay! Yay! It's a, it's a historic run. Another one. Mm-hmm. Another historic run. It's an exciting time to be commenting on Jeopardy. It is. They're doing a lot of good work for us. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, hey, Jeopardy started releasing buzzer stats today. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Yeah. I mean, not today when you're listening to this podcast, listener, uh, today when I'm recording this in the past. Yeah. So much data. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's so good. It's interesting. Like, they track the number of attempts, which is the big thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, like, first in, I mean, the Jeopardy fan has been tracking first in because it's like whoever rings in first, right? So you know who's fastest on any given clue, but... Just the number of times they tried, that one is, mm-hmm. that's fascinating to me. Yes. There's been some some debate on my social media feeds about what counts as knowing something. And if somebody doesn't attempt to buzz in that many times, like, does that mean, oh, they just, you know, they didn't know as much? Or is it about, I mean, uh, Jeopardy's a complex game, right? It's about like, Mm -hmm. speed of recall and confidence and all kinds of things other, other than just whether the fact is in your brain. Right. Yeah. Anyway, Monday, January 10th, we have the contestants, David Peterson, a boiler operator from Dunbarton, New Hampshire, Jenny Govey, an operations generalist from Schaumburg, Illinois, and Amy Schneider, an engineering manager from Oakland, California, whose 28-day cash winnings total $1,019,600. And we have the Jeopardy round categories Suburbs, the Hugo Awards, Next in Line, New Chess Stratagems, with a question mark, Celebrity Hobbies, and Words from Arabic. Uh, I liked that words from Arabic category. Yeah, that was interesting. Uh, The $1,000 clue, it bothered me a little bit. I think it's splitting hairs, so I'm not going to get a big, get, you know, totally worked up about it. But uh, the $1,000 clue was this four-letter stringed instrument was brought to Europe via Spain by the Moors, and they were looking for the lute. Now, my understanding is that the lute is actually a descendant of the Middle Eastern Oud, which is also very similar, but the lute is the European version, so I don't necessarily jive with the idea that the lute existed and was brought to Europe, mm. more that it evolved from that. But yeah. again, that's splitting hairs, which I know trivia people never do. Seldom. Beyonce came up a couple times this week. Yes. I'm just putting that together. I, I mean, mean she's, she's why not? Yeah. But we had a question about Beyonce's hobby, which apparently is making making honey doesn't seem quite right. Like it's it's, <laughs> it's the it's the it's the actual bees, but I guess uh, jarring honey, harvesting I don't, honey. Cult- I don't know. Beekeeping is she a beekeeper? I don't is know. A, a, she is yeah. the queen bee. She is. Yes. Anyway, that was a fun thing to learn about her. Yeah. Except now I have more questions. 
I mean, that those are the best things to learn. Those yeah. which create more curiosity. Yeah. I liked the Hugo Awards category, too. Mm -hmm. Clue about George R.R. R. Martin. Uh, we had one about Neil Gaiman, although uh, Jenny, I think, knew his name but hadn't heard it said out loud, so, so pronounced it Gaiman. Mm-hmm. And then at the $1,000 level, there was a picture, and then this art author hugo nominated in his 20s for babel 17 was the has the middle initial r for ray he won a few years later um nobody knew that was samuel r delaney um i hadn't heard of him but then he came up on a learned league quiz like the next day so mm. now i've learned his name that's fun yeah it's weird how sometimes those things line up like no way of planning that you know yeah. These things planned months in advance that happen to line up at the same time. Mm-hmm. Daily Double number one is in the next in line category at the $800 level. David finds it. He's at 1000 Amy's at 3200 and Jenny's at 2200 And he bets all of it. He gets the clue. In Ivy schools alphabetically, Columbia, Cornell. And he gets it correct with what is Dartmouth. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the Jeopardy round, Amy's in the lead at 7,400. Jenny is at 3,800. And David is at 3,400. And we have the double Jeopardy categories. Bank shots. Parts of a poem. Whales. Some traveling music, please. Between the world wars. And three consecutive vowels. And they tried to start in that traveling music category. And we began it with two triple stumpers at the $800 level. And then they got away from it until the very end of the, the game. That was fun to watch. Yeah. Apparently the Italian word ciao is derived from the Latin for slave. So that's cool. That's, again, I have more questions. Yeah. Like how and why. How did we get there? I'm sure somebody could answer that. Actually, I think I did see an explanation. I just don't remember what it was. Mm. Daily Double number two is in the whales category at the $1,600 level. And David finds it at the ninth pick. He has 5400 Amy's at 9800 And Jenny's at 3000 uh, He wagers 4000 and gets the clue. As well as a type of flatworm, it's something much larger. Either of the flat lobes of a whale's tail. Uh, he says he don't got it. Um, that's the flukes. Mm -hmm. uh, and Daily Double number three is in the parts of a poem category, also at the $1,600 level. Uh, but Amy finds this one, just pick number 17. She's up at 16200 over Jenny's 4200 and David's 3400 and she wagers 4000 And gets a clue. Also a punctuation mark. It's an address to a personification of something. Death be not proud is an example. And she gets that correct with what is an apostrophe. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the double Jeopardy round, Amy has locked the game. She has 25,800. Jenny's at 7,400. David's at 4,600. And we have the final Jeopardy category, 19th century notables. And the clue, on his deathbed in France in 1890, he told his brother, the sadness will last forever. David tried, who is Sartre? Uh, that is incorrect. He's wagered $45.99, everything but a dollar. So he's going to drop down. Jenny tried, who is Napoleon? Uh, that's not correct either. She's wagered 7000 dropping her down to $400. Uh, so she'll finish in second place. 
And Amy tried who is Dreyfus. Um, that also is not correct. And she's wagered 10,000, uh, dropping her down to 15,800. They were looking for Vincent Van Gogh. Yes. And what I think happened here is that all of the contestants really keyed in on sadness, the word sadness, and took that each in their own direction. You know, I think, you know, Sartre, like, oh, you know, existentialism, like, you know, the futility of existence. (laughs) Well, I think they also cued in on France. Mm, Yes, that's true. Because they named French people. Yep. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think they each found their own, like, person. Sad Frenchman. Yes. yes. Uh, Yep. Napoleon. Yep. (laughs) You could could imagine him being sad on his deathbed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dreyfus, I don't remember a whole lot about that scandal, but, you know, fair enough. Mm -hmm. And uh, really, brother was the key here. Yeah. 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 And if you knew Van Gogh died in France, which I did not, that might help too. The Van Gogh Museum is in Amsterdam because that's like where he was from. If right. I remember correctly. But yeah, no, died in France. I forgot that. So that was a tricky one. It was. But Amy still pulls it out, gets her uh, 29th win. On a Tuesday, we have the contestants Bridget Hogan, a server from Ephraim, Wisconsin, Steve Shanderbon, a philosophy professor from Lewiston, New York, and Amy Schneider, an engineering manager from Oakland, California, whose 29-day cash winnings is now $1,035,400. And we have the Jeopardy round categories, John F. Kennedy, State Your Business, TV Shows with One Word Titles, Run for S. Run. Words with four S's in them. And then stars and stripes. Four S's is difficult, I found. I mean, I got a bunch of them in the end. Trying to imagine a word having four of the same letter in it is... It's not something you usually think about, right? Because yeah. a double S, we don't really think of it as like a double S. We just think of it as like, it's just a sound. Right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, when you have to conceptualize it, it's a little bit trickier. Yeah. And some of these were two double S's, like in possession. Mm -hmm. um, And others were one double S and then two S's that appear elsewhere in the word, like seamstress. Mm -hmm. So I, a couple of times, found myself coming up with answers that had two or three S's. Thought it was a kind of a challenging wordplay category yeah and the contestants struggled some with uh state your business also yeah yeah at the 200 dollars level amy had a miss which is unusual for her uh the clue was general mills lando lakes and amy rang in and said what is michigan but they were looking for minnesota she, she immediately knew that it was minnesota when she said michigan though she yeah yeah you could clear. see it on her face yeah yeah uh, in the $1,000 level there, Frontier Airlines Dish Network. Nobody knew that. That's Colorado. Mm-hmm. Yep. We have lots of Frontier flights out of Denver International Airport. Mm. Daily Double number one is in the stars category at the $400 level, and Amy finds it at the 22nd pick. 
Uh, she has 7,000 to Steve's 200 and Bridget's 1,000. And she wagers 3,000 and gets the clue. The largest constellation is this one, represented as a water snake. And she seems like she is totally making a wild guess when she says, what is Hydra? Um, and then was uh, del- delightfully shocked, I thought, uh, mm-hmm. when it was correct. Yeah. So at the end of the Jeopardy round, she has once again taken a big lead. Uh, Amy's at 14,800 to Bridget's uh, 1,000 and Steve's 200. And our double Jeopardy categories are 12-letter geography, book alikes, the Victorian era, DDS, each correct response will begin with D, end with S and have a D somewhere in the middle, movies by antagonist, and falling. I like the movies by antagonist category. Yeah. They chose good antagonists, which mm-hmm. obviously, I, I mean, it makes sense that they would. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Have you seen the, the, the movie at the $1,200 level there? The clue was 2014 teacher for a conservatory jazz ensemble, Terrence Fletcher. I actually haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Oh, it's Whiplash is the, is the movie. It's a good one. Dark mm-hmm. and distressing, you know, but good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've heard a lot of... Heard that kind of take. Like, it is a well-made movie. Mm-hmm. It is that. I should, yeah. I should see it. Yeah. It's on my list. There are a lot of movies on my list. Yeah, same. I really like the book alikes mm-hmm. category. We haven't talked about, I think, any of these, although we talk about books and authors that are easy to mix up. True. Fairly often. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've talked about... Tom Wolf and Thomas Wolf. Yeah, that's true. Like at the two thousand dollar level, mm-hmm. the clue was Tom Wolf was the white suited author of the right stuff. Thomas Wolf wrote the nineteen forty novel You Can't Do This, and Amy got it right with Go Home Again. And one of those two people, Emily wrote a paper on. I did way back in freshman year, but it was a pretty good paper. Uh, it was uh, it, Tom Thomas Wolf, the You Can't Go Home Again guy. Mm-hmm. It won like an honorable mention from the Thomas Wolf Society. Honors and accolades. Yeah. It was affirming to see all the king's men and all the president's men listed <laughs> as book alikes because I cannot get those two straight. Mm-hmm. The only thing that would have further soothed my ego is if they'd talked about Upton Sinclair Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The the one guy with both of those names. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep, indeed. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not convinced that anybody mixes up East of Eden and Exit to Eden, uh, one by Steinbeck and the other by Anne Rice. Though, no, prob- probably but it was, not. But it was a fun pairing. Yeah. Daily Double number two is in the Victorian era category at the twelve hundred dollar level. Amy finds it. She is at sixteen thousand four hundred. Steve is at two hundred, and Bridget is at a thousand. She has quite a lead, and she bets six thousand. Uh, and gets the clue, in 1845, the rules of this sport were codified at the school where its origin story happened during a soccer game. And she gets that correct with what is rugby. And Daily Double number three comes up in the DDS category at the $1,200 level. Um, and Steve finds this one at the 19th pick. Uh, he's at 4600 Amy is at 30000 Bridget is at... <sighs> 3,000. Steve wagers just 2,500. I don't know if it's mathematically possible for him, even with a correct daily double. Yeah, like a double to, up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry, even with a correct 
true daily double, it may not be mathematically possible for him to catch up. I'm not sure. I'd have to have to do some math. In any case, even if it's math- mathematically possible, it's statistically unlikely. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe maybe all in is better if you want to go for, you know, but yeah. but like I'll, I'll allow it, you know. Yeah, this one isn't as big of a no, you should have bet more situation. Like wh- when when the person ahead of you has like almost 10 times your score, you know. So, yeah, anyway, that's fine. Um he gets the clue Gallipoli is a port on this narrow street uh, and he comes up with it. I think it was at the last second, but he got there. Yeah. Uh the Dardanelles. Mhm. So at the end of the double jeopardy round, Amy's in a lock position at 42,400. Steve had gotten himself up to 9,500, which is, you know, good. And Bridget was at 2,600. So they're in it for final jeopardy. And the category is Broadway musicals. And the clue, each in a show that ran more than two years, Ethel Merman and Sarah Jessica Parker played two different characters with this first name. Bridget guessed, what is Mary? That is incorrect. Uh, and she lost 2,000. Steve guessed what is Melissa. Uh, that's also incorrect. Wagered 500. And Amy wrote who is or what is Rose. And that is also incorrect. And being so far ahead, Amy made a big wager of 20,000. Uh, so she, she lost 20,000 on it, but still clearly won in a lock position. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is Annie. Yeah, Annie. And Annie, get your gun. Mm-hmm. I did not come up with that. Yeah, me neither. These were some tricky ones. These are yeah. some tricky, tricky finals. Yep. I was with Amy guessing what is Rose. I'm not really sure what one or two musicals she might have been thinking of. Just yeah. seemed viable. Sure. Yeah. 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 So a couple of a couple of tricky finals. So on Wednesday, we have the contestants Allie Bove, a physical therapist from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Emma Shirado Alman, a government effectiveness associate manager from Sunnyside, New York. <laughs> that must be a fun I'm... job. <laughs> I'm just imagining her going into the office every day and being like, mm, still not very effective. <laughs> right. <laughs> just like setting a setting a like a dial on the wall as to like what level it is that day. Mm-hmm. It has been zero days since the government was ineffective. <laughs> <laughs> That's not um, true. Yeah. <laughs> and Amy Schneider, an engineering manager from Oakland, California, whose 30-day cash winnings total $1,057,800. And our Jeopardy round categories are how provincial, Chinese calendar animals, three short words, let me in, Iron Man, and War Machine. I thought the, the let me in category was a fun juxtaposition of stuff. There was a question about an alliterative entry for pets, uh, the dog door. And then they call uh, this job face control in Russia. That's bouncers. Face control. That's a good term. Yeah. Then we had open sesame in there. So it was just, it, it was, I don't know. I, I would not have thought to put those things together. I like Jeopardy categories where I'm like, oh, I guess those things all are about letting people in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we had a tricky missed one and rebound in Chinese calendar animals at the $600 level. The clue was a merino. Mm. Emma rang in and said, what is a cat? Ken said, no. And then 
as Ken was saying no, Emma blurted out the correct response. Yeah. Uh, and so then Amy got the rebound, but like, you know, sort of, you could tell, like, felt a little bad about it. Like, it it's just, it, when somebody gives the correct response, but they've missed it on time or been ruled incorrect, and then somebody just repeats their correct yeah. response and gets the credit. Like, you can tell that, like, everyone's unhappy that it's, like, not as clean a game as it could be right that's not that's not how this should have gone down yep daily double number one is in the three short words category at the 800 dollars level it's pick number nine Allie finds it she is at 1600 amy's at 1200 emma's at 400 so Allie's in the lead and she wagers a thousand and gets the clue bremerton washington claims to be where an excited democrat first yelled to president truman the phrase do this harry uh and she she has she does not know and it's pretty obvious and she gives the just classic answer of what is rock the i thought it was vote yeah rock the vote j archive says boat but i'm pretty sure it was vote yeah i'm pretty sure she said rock the vote yeah uh which is just awesome. That is incorrect. Apparently, it's give them hell, Harry. Mm-hmm. I had not heard of that. I also have not heard of that. I thought I was like, did, did they like stop the buck? Is that is that oh, something? Yeah, is that a thing? Bad, yes. I don't know. Yeah, I that's like the only that. like f- phrase I could think of with Harry Truman. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so she drops down just by a thousand, but it does put her behind Amy, and that is <laughs> that's. <laughs> Not to spoil the rest of the game, but that is the last time that Amy is not in the lead. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the Jeopardy round, Amy is at 7,000. She's gotten herself back in, in form. Emma is at negative 200 and Allie's at 3,200. And we have the double Jeopardy categories, Royal Women, Authors Nonfiction, Science, One Letter Different, Classic Sitcoms, and Reptilian Words and Phrases. $2,000 clue of Authors Nonfiction... Uh, I'm sure Emily got. Best mm-hmm. known for his novel, Infinite Jest, he also wrote Everything and More, A Compact History of Infinity. Uh, mm-hmm. Amy got it. That's David Foster Wallace. Recently discussed on our podcast. Yes, indeed. I, I also got a David Foster Wallace $2,000 clue correct in, in, in our, our Jeopardy game. So yes, indeed. Amy and I have that in common now. Yep. I mean, you're basically the same at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which means you get to share the winnings. Her her 30-something wins and my zero, zero wins. You were both on stage. We were, It's yes. basically the same. Mm-hmm. I do not know any sitcoms. I mean, I, I knew a couple of these sitcoms, but... I mean, did you get The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? I did get The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Did you know that they're making a gritty reboot? No. For Peacock? For, like, NBC? No. I think it's, I think it's NBC. Yeah. I gotta say, like, I cannot see anything... Where one of the actors is in it is a Scientologist without constantly having, like, that's a Scientologist, like, cult alarms going off in my brain. Which one's a Scientologist? Will Smith is a Scientologist. Oh, is he really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, yeah. he's not in it. It's it's like an entirely new cat. Like, yes, it's good. But it's, good. it's So maybe it's I'll be a... able to actually enjoy Fresh Prince of Bel-Air instead of having my Scientologist alarm go off all the time. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't know how much you'll enjoy it from what I see. It's like, it's dark. Okay. Will's, Will's troubled past follows him from West Philadelphia, or are something you, like that. Are you like pulling my leg? Right no, now? you can look it up. The trailer is out, and it is not a joke. <laughs> I am it not sounds joking. Sounds like it's a joke. No, no, no. 
it it does not look huh. I don't want to watch it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not a joke. Nope. Oh. While Emily is uh spending some time with the Fresh Prince reboot trailer, I'll talk about the one letter different category, which I thought was really I thought it was really well done. Like you could easily do like the, the four hundred dollar clue is a word meaning constructed and a cloth bed covering. That's built in quilt. Those are easy to come up with. But like the sixteen hundred dollar clue, an optical disc format for HD video and a synonym for cloudy or fuzzy. That's Blu-ray and blurry. Like hmm. that's not your typical kind of like one letter different yeah. approach, right? Thought that was good. Daily double number two is in the is in that one letter different category at the twelve hundred dollar level. And Amy finds it at the tenth pick. She has twelve thousand two hundred at this point. Emma is two hundred in the red. Allie has forty four hundred. Amy wagers 4,000 and gets the clue, a tiny European Republic and a Hall of Fame dolphin quarterback. She says, what are Marino? And and then doesn't come up with anything, runs out of time. They were looking for, what are San Marino and Dan, Dan Marino. Marino? I liked that it's one a, a lot. One. It's a good one. Yes. Oh, man. Because I could see how if you just think of Marino, then your brain might want to go to Monaco. And you're like, but that's not, it's not similar enough. And then you don't know where to go from there. I enjoyed mm-hmm. that one. Yeah. Uh, and then Daily Double number three is in the science category. Also at the $1,200 level, Allie finds this one. She's at 6000 Amy is at 8200 And Emma is at negative 200 And she bets 5000 She makes the move, which is the right call. With how dominant Amy plays, if you get a chance to get a big lead over her, then you take it, right? Mm-hmm. You don't just try to tie her and then try to beat her on the buzzer because she's done it for 30 games, you know? Right. <laughs> so uh, she she bets 5,000 and gets a clue. First appearing in the Cambrian period, these are the three lobed fossils of what were marine animals. And she gets to try with the three, but she guesses what are triumvirates. Just a quick note, if you listen to my podcast about the Great Triumvirate, then you'd, you'd know that uh, Triumvirate refers to leaders of, of uh, the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. But they were looking for trilobites. I nev- it did not occur to me until this clue that it literally means like trilobe. Oh. Bites, right? Like, like the, that's the name Lobe. of it. Three lobed. Oh, yeah. oh. oh no. <laughs> like, I'm right? just like, seeing it now. <laughs> yeah. If only it had occurred to Allie, the yeah. results might have been different. Yeah. So at the end of the double Jeopardy round, Amy's in a locked position again with 23,000 this time. Allie's at 3,000. Emma's at 200. And we have the final Jeopardy category, Historic Americans. And the clue, in 1838, he took a new last name of a family in Walter Scott's The Lady of the Lake. For distinction, he added a second S to the end. Emma responds, who is Douglas? Uh, The second S is almost there, but not all the way. But that's okay, because you don't have to spell it correctly, even if it says right in the clue that there's a second S on the end. Yep. Uh, She's wagered $20. So that brings her up to $220. Allie did not come up with anything. She has who is question mark, question mark. And she's wagered $2,000. That drops her down to $1,000. And she'll finish in second place. And Amy did not come up with anything either. Just who is, and it's blank. Uh, and she's wagered 12000 dropping her down to 11000 But that is enough to give her this game and her 31st win. 
Yep. A win is a win. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on Thursday, we have the contestants Corey Anatato, an interactive designer from Baltimore, Maryland, Clark Dawson, an attorney from Columbia, South Carolina, and Amy Schneider, an engineering manager from Oakland, California, who's 31 day cash winnings, are now $1,068,800. We have the Jeopardy round categories People in History, Literary Decades. They're talking about the decades that the book was published, not that the events were occurring. Mm -hmm. uh, we Got Stuck, Middle X, Plates, Pots, and Pans, and Rom Drums. Rom Drams. Yeah. Weird. Okay, anyway. Okay, so question. At the $200 level of Middle X, mm -hmm. adjective meaning close to the actual amount, but not completely exact, would inexact in any way not fit with that clue i think they would have to accept it with an eye roll but i think they'd have to take it i think they would i mean i guess it could be argued that inexact does not necessarily mean close mm, yeah i think they'd take it yeah i mean they've taken some other stuff even like last week that was like are you sure They've like yeah. overturned decisions for that for like less than that. So mm -hmm. I would think they would take it. Yeah. I said it real fast and then I was like, well, but then then I was like, you know what? Like I think if I said it on stage and they said no, I would argue with them. Yeah. About that. Corey's reactions to things I thought were really fun. I thought he had an energy that was nice. It was it was uh, perhaps a bit laid back, but it w it was more like just emotive, and it was yeah. fun to watch. I thought it was fun. I know a lot of people were were kind of irritated by it, but the there are also a lot of people who are irritated by any show of personality on the Jeopardy stage, which I know I did those people uh, a great kindness by showing zero personality on stage. So you're all welcome if that's something you don't <laughs> like. Uh, <laughs> But sometimes we have people who do show their personality, and I think it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. It turns out that the internet will complain about either showing or not showing your personality. Yes. So Shockingly, people complain on the internet. Mm -hmm. The $1,000 level of We Got Stuck made me think of a recent viral news story. Uh, the clue there was go ape with this alliterative mm. product that bonds virtually everything. That's Gorilla Glue. Amy got it. And uh, apparently, recently there was a woman who mistakenly used it on her hair. Um, <laughs> and like, I had to get like medical treatment to help with it because that stuff is. It's, it works. It's, it's powerful. Mm -hmm. um, I cannot remember the exact explanation but i i did see, i saw an ex because it was it was perplexing but I, I i saw an explanation basically saying that there is a a product with like a similar packaging or name or something that you know such that like it would be an understandable mistake if that was something that you normally used mm -hmm. anyway daily double number one is in the middle x category at the $800 level, and Amy finds it at the 24th pick. She's at 6400 Clark and Corey are tied at 1800 and she wagers 2000 and gets the clue. A bumper sticker favorite, it means to live together peacefully despite differences, and she gets that one correct. It is coexist. 
So at the end of the Jeopardy round, Amy's at 10,400, Clark is at 2,800, Corey's at 1,200, and our double Jeopardy categories are Mountains of the World, Modern Art, Plant Terminology, Cuts from the Classic Album, Five Letter Words, and Ancient Faith. Saw someone being like, hey, good job on that five letter words category to line up with Wordle Jeopardy. Mm. Way to synchronize things in the trivia world. Yeah. And I think, I don't remember who responded. It might have been might have been the Jeopardy fan, but someone was like, uh, actually, this was taped months ago. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yep. there was no way of knowing. And categories are randomly picked. So mm-hmm. that is not what happened. But it is convenient with the current explosion of Wordle. And listeners, if you haven't tried Wordle. Oh, it's so fun. Probably you'd be into it. If you're listening to our podcast, yep. probably you'd be into it. Mm-hmm. I say this as though literally everyone who's listening hasn't already started doing it. They're all doing Wordle. Yeah. Oh, we get the other Beyonce clue here in the cuts from the classic album. Oh, yeah. $400 formation and hold up 2016. Corey got it. That's lemonade. Mm-hmm. I guess what we've learned is that Beyonce is a top row of the Jeopardy board kind of uh, level of knowledge. Sure. You just yeah. need to know Beyonce. It's, mm-hmm. it's the baseline. It's expected. Yes. I've seen so much stuff re- recently about Yayoi Kusama. I don't know. I feel like I hadn't seen much about her. Like, like I learned who she was, and then all of a sudden she was everywhere. But she's like the Japanese contemporary artist with the like immersive things with the polka dots and the big bold colors. Mm-hmm. I think. Anyway. Daily double number two is in the Mountains of the World category at the $1,600 level. Amy finds it. She's at 12800 Clark is at 4000 Corey is at 6000 And she wagers 4000 And the clue is the Loma Mountains, rising to just over 6,000 feet, are the highest in this African country whose name means Lion Mountains. And Amy gets it correct with what is Sierra Leone, which I do not think that was a $1,600 clue because yeah really you can ignore everything up to what african country's name translates to lion mountains mm-hmm. i felt like that was a bit a bit obvious yeah daily double number three is in the ancient faith category uh at the two thousand dollar level and amy finds this one at the 21st pick she's at twenty one thousand two hundred to Clark's 4,000 and Corey's 6,000. Uh, she wagers 2,000 only, uh, the true value of the clue. And her clue is Acts 2 describes the gathering of the disciples on this holy day, sometimes described as Babel reversed. Uh, and she gets that one correct. It's Pentecost. Uh, so at the end of the double jeopardy round, Amy's in another lock position at 28,800. Clark is at 4,000, and Corey is at 11,200. Lots of lock games for Amy. Mm -hmm. Final Jeopardy category, the words of Victor Hugo. And the clue, this object is the ultimate expression of law, and its name is vengeance. It is not neutral, nor does it allow us to remain neutral. Clark uh, wrote, what is liberty? Which is incorrect, and uh, she only wagered $5. Uh, Corey... (laughs) 
wrote, What is DEATH? <laughs> in all caps and filled up the screen with it. Uh, that is also incorrect. Again, it was a lock game, so it's not a big deal. I don't think Liberty or Death we would consider objects, but yeah, whatever. And he, he wagered zero because he's going to stick in second position. Uh, and Amy got it correct with what is the guillotine. Guillotine as a correct Final Jeopardy response sits well with me. For that was my yep. first Final Jeopardy correct response. Although it was about the person. Yeah. Not the... Guillotin. Guillotin, which which I learned that day does not have an E on the end. Mm -hmm. Uh, The doctor after whom it was named. Yep. I was remembering that moment also. But yeah, uh, so with 32 wins, uh, Amy ties James Holtzauer. Yeah. Yeah. Will she break the number 32 tomorrow? We will find out. So on Friday, we have the contestants Rachel Ostro, a full-time parent from Arlington, Massachusetts, Luis Soto, a financial analyst from San Gabriel, California, and Amy Schneider, an engineering manager from Oakland, California, whose 32-day cash winnings total $1,101,600. You know it's getting real when the, like, 100000 seems like just uh almost negligible <laughs> right yeah, yeah. It's, it's not the leading number yeah yeah so our jeopardy round categories are fear what did you lose miss mr or mrs song words and phrases holland oats <laughs> that's cute nice going back to the introductions i love that description from rachel a full-time parent mm-hmm that is such a good way to put it. I've never heard that yep. that terminology before because, like, I know, like, stay at home mm-hmm. parent and like that kind of thing. Full time parent. That is, yep, yeah, it's a very good way to put it. I appreciate that. That's a lot of work. Yes. Honest, honestly, it's 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 more than full time, right? Like, if you're a full time, pa- like, you know, well, it's in, beyond in, nine in, to five. Yeah. yeah. Like, yes. <laughs> you don't get time off. Yeah. But yeah, that's uh, I appreciate her phrasing there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, I didn't know the origin of the term placebo or the etymology. Um, but apparently it comes from Latin meaning I shall please. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Um, apparently the placebo effect has gotten stronger maybe only in the u.s or maybe the study was u.s specific um over the years i mean like just in general people are more likely to be yeah to experience interesting yeah to respond to placebo um there's a stronger response to placebos uh i guess that's a good thing i guess uh, this, the link that somebody sent me said it's it's actually making it harder to get new medications approved mm. um, because oh. the difference, like the like the like the difference is smaller. Right between the control and the test group. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. The eight hundred dollar level of the Miss Mister or Mrs. song was um, by Billy Paul. Me and her, we got a thing going on. That's Mrs. Jones. And as a, a teacher who goes by Mr. Jones, 
the fact that there are multiple songs that refer to either a Mr. Jones or a Mrs. Jones mm. uh, was not lost upon at least some of my students uh, historically, which uh, is just always funny. It's it's always funny mm-hmm. every time. Yep. Every every <laughs> time, especially yep. when it's an everyday kind of thing. It's always funny. Not annoyed at all. <laughs> Great. <laughs> There was a there was a triple stumper at the uh, $800 level of oats. Uh, they had a picture. And then in the early 1900s, Swiss doctor, Dr. Maximilian Bircher Benner devised this rolled oat cereal as a health food. Amy tried what is granola. Rachel tried what is kashi. Neither of those is a bad guess. They were looking for muesli, though. And if you've ever encountered the phrase Bircher muesli, I guess that would be your way in. Yeah. If not, then I guess you've just got to do your best with the picture, which is what I think uh, Amy and Rachel were doing. Which is hard, because it's just muesli. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> muesli is decidedly nondescript. <laughs> yep. Uh, so Daily Double number one is in the words and phrases category at the $600 level. Uh, Amy finds it at pick number 23. She is at 5400 Luis is at 600 Rachel is at 2400 and she wagers 2,000. Gets the clue. Something that is exactly what you would expect is this four-word golfing phrase. It's actually 72 at Augusta National. Uh, and she gets correct with what is par for the course. I, I couldn't think of for the course. Oh, you just, just got to par. Was, yeah, I got par. And then I'm like, what's an expression with par? And I, that was that she figured it out. So good yeah. for her. Yeah. Uh, so at the end of the Jeopardy round, Amy is in the lead at 9,000, Luis is at 600, and Rachel is at 3,000. And we get the double Jeopardy categories, world history, character test, international organizations, in, but abbreviations, uh, centenarians, bobbing for actors, and from C to Y, uh, C and Y in quotation marks. And sadly, as a music teacher, I couldn't remember the $2,000 clue of from C to Y. Hell's Bells, it's the study of bells. Rachel guessed what is carolology. Carolology. Uh, perhaps thinking of like a carillon? Oh, maybe? yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Which, because when she said it, I was like, oh, yeah, no, totally. And then it was wrong. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, not, not at all. No, of course not. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. <laughs> no, who would say that? The, the correct response is campanology. Which is a term I learned and then uh, never used <laughs> in my life. Yeah. It feels like we should say tintinabulation again. Right. But that doesn't... Because <laughs> that's such a good word. It's such a good word. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's not that. Yep. Sadly. We had a, a tricky uh, situation at the $2,000 level of character test. Um, the clue there was the title of this Salman Rushdie novel refers to Salim Sinai and other babies born at the stroke of 12 on August 15th, 1947. Rachel rang in and said, who are, what is, um, and ran out of time. Ken said, sorry, too much time. And as he was saying that, she said, midnight, midnight's children. And, uh, but that was too late. Um, either of the others could have rung in, but either they, didn't know it and didn't hear her or they assumed that she was you know that she was ruled incorrect on midnight's children yeah that that would be my guess that they didn't know what the answer was and thought that she had been wrong 
Yep. Yeah. Kind of lucked out for her. I obviously she, she would have preferred to get credit for the correct response, but at least nobody was able to just like pick up a rebound off of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And over in the world history category, uh, if you go back to my deep dive about like the origins of Russia, um, sorry, I was like forgot what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, the clue is in the 13th century, the Mongols destroyed the first East Slavic state, the Rus, quote, which had uh, this city, not Moscow, as capital, and that is Kiev of the Kiev and Rus, mm-hmm. which I talked yeah. about in a deep dive. Yeah. Daily double number two is the third pick, and it's the, in that world history category at the $1,200 level. Amy finds it. She has 10200 at this point to Luis's 600 and Rachel's 3000 She wagers 4000 and her clue is, led by King Gustavus Adolphus, Sweden entered this decades-long European conflict, a major turning point in that war. And she gets that one correct. It's the Thirty Years' War. Mm-hmm. Uh, pro- I think it was just about three decades long, if I recall correctly. Yeah, it seems... It seems right. Mm-hmm. Thirty Years' War was, in fact, about thirty years, which which seems appropriate. But I actually was not sure as you were saying it because I was thinking of the Hundred Years' War, which is not a hundred years. It was like a hundred and almost a hundred and twenty, right? Yeah, um, I've I've seen different numbers, either like a hundred thirteen or a hundred fifteen. That's right. Yeah. And Daily Double number three is in the International Organizations category at the $1,200 level. Pick number 14, Amy finds this one as well. She found all three. She's up to 19400 over Luis's negative 1400 and Rachel's 3000 And she wagers uh, 6000 which is I, I like. You know, you got a big lead. You might play with the money. And she gets the clue, Irena, I-R-E-N-A, where they talk a lot of wind international this type of energy agency and she gets correct with what is renewable yeah so at the end of the double jeopardy round amy's in a lock position with thirty thousand two hundred. Luis is at three thousand rachel's at thirty eight hundred and we have the final jeopardy category cemeteries and memorials and the clue sixty thousand are at rest in a national memorial cemetery opened in nineteen forty nine in the crater of an extinct volcano in this state uh Luis tried what is Wyoming that's not correct uh he's wagered two thousand dropping him down to one thousand. Rachel tried what is Oregon that is not correct either um She's wagered twenty two oh one, uh, so she was she was looking to cover a double up mm-hmm. from Luis. Well, drops her down to fifteen ninety nine, so she'll finish in second place. And Amy tried what is California, also not correct. Uh, her wager is twenty thousand, dropping her down to ten thousand two hundred. Uh, that's all she adds to her one point <laughs> one million dollars. So now she has just a uh, bunch of ones at the start, which is you yeah. know, nice, I guess. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's that's kind of fun. I mean, you know, it's too too bad to, you know, make only $10,000 in your half hour. Right. Uh, um, no, it's, it's it's a good day and she gets to play again. Uh, so that gives her her 33rd win and puts her at $1,111,800. Yep. We had a number of like of tough Final Jeopardies this week, especially, and like triple stumpers, especially. Um, but this one, I saw some internet kerfuffles about like, well, how do how do Jeopardy? It's you know, like 
she isn't really winning legitimately because who doesn't know that Hawaii has volcanoes? And it's like, actually, all of those states yeah, have volcanoes all, that have yeah. either been active like within our lifetimes or mm-hmm. haven't been. And Hawaii also wasn't a state in 1949. Hmm. So like, yeah, all of those, they're all valid guesses for anybody who is thinking like, oh, Hawaii is the only obvious choice. It's like, it's actually not. I mean, the entirety of Yellowstone is one giant supervolcano that is going to explode at some point and destroy the entire Earth. So it's not a bad guess. Yeah, I, I don't I don't like thinking about <laughs> that. Yeah, volcanoes, whatever that thing is that could happen with the sun that would knock out all the technology on the planet. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, lots of bad things could happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, better better to just ignore that. Yeah. And one way you could ignore that, listeners, is by signing up for our Patreon. We have a Patreon. Nice transition. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it's at patreon.com slash potentpotables. Uh, if you want to distract yourself from the inevitable doom of our world, you can slide us a few dollars uh, and distract yourself with some exclusive content. We have some stuff up there for patrons only, and uh, we are attempting to add at least a little bit every week for our patrons on patreon so you can go there and uh you know give us whatever you feel is appropriate if you are able and we very much appreciate those who are already contributing and we appreciate those who will in the future in case you ascribe to the idea that all things past present and future are happening simultaneously i don't know why that i'm i'm on a weird thing today uh but i'm here for it if you have to uh if you um, as we do believe that there are things that are more important happening in our world than just our podcast, uh, we encourage you to look toward blacklivesmatter.com, communityjusticeexchange.org, and the uh, Stop Asian Hate GoFundMe database. Yes, indeed. So do you have deep dive guesses? I do. Are we talking about Samuel Delaney? We're not. Are we... T- uh... Well, I wrote it down. I should go with it. Are we talking about Van Gogh? No, although I did consider it. Yeah, it's a big topic. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, the last one. Apparently, I just went on a, like a kind of a, an art or literature one. Uh, are we talking about Midnight's Children? We are not. Okay. I, I banned myself from uh, <laughs> from talking about literary topics because I felt like that had been like maybe a majority of my recent deep dives. Yeah, certainly a lot, and you know that's that's okay. That's it's a good field for me, but I tried to force myself to do something else. But but I'm still kind of kind of in my wheelhouse a little bit here today, and have chosen maybe a little bit too big of a topic. But you know, it'll be okay. Uh, we're in the Thursday game, the ancient faith category, and the clue hmm. was Mara was a demonic deity who tempted this religion founder on several occasions without success. Uh, Amy tried, who is Muhammad? Uh, they were looking for the Buddha. Uh, so obviously we cannot cover Buddhism in general. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's not a huge topic. Or, yeah, you know. or or really everything about the Buddha. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought, you know what, like, I've studied Buddhism, really, really a fair bit. My undergraduate degree was in comparative religion. And, you know, and we did uh, quite a bit of um, world religions work in my Master of Divinity program. And, you know, I thought I'd, I'd uh, see if I could pull together some um, kind of 
overview of like the life of the Buddha, uh, like important things about, you know, kind of that narrative, some kind of basic terminology, so that like, if you're into trivia, and a question about Buddhism comes up, maybe you'll recognize some of these terms and be a little bit more likely to get it. So that's kind of the the scope that I'm going with great. today. I could yeah. definitely use that. All right, great. Um, so Buddha is not a name, you probably know it is a title, it means uh, enlightened one. Um, so the person we know as Buddha, you probably know is named Siddhartha Gautama. Buddha is one of the titles that people use for him, and obviously the most common one, but there are numerous other titles that shouldn't be too surprising. Think about, you know, sort of all the ways that Christians might refer to God or Jesus and all of the, you know, kind of different titles that are used. It, it's a similar kind of thing there. Um, one that has come up especially often um, in my studies and that I that I saw highlighted as I was uh, looking around and kind of refreshing my knowledge uh, is Shakyamuni, uh, Sage of the Shakyas, uh, the Shakyas being like his hereditary clan. Um, it's generally accepted that uh, Siddhartha Gautama was a historical person in ancient India, but uh, exact dates and locations are kind of lost to history. Written uh, work about his life begins some centuries after his life and death. Um, historians tend to date his life to the 5th or 6th century BCE, but there are there are religious traditions that claim he lived as early as the 9th or 10th centuries BCE, um, but most likely the 5th or 6th is what historians think. Uh, speaking of written evidence and, uh, you know, texts, people sometimes ask a question like, so Muslims have the Quran, Christians have the Bible, what do Buddhists have? Um, there's no real Buddhist equivalent. Uh, no single text that is kind of universally regarded as authoritative that you can, you know, that you can pick up and read and then, you know, kind of know what's in, you know, mm -hmm. what's in the scripture. Buddhism spread widely through a huge area of the world as a set of like practices and teachings um, passed from teacher to student before uh, like writings that would become like scripture. And so there are Buddhist scriptures, um, but they are, they come out of various schools and regions. They're in various languages. They, um, they all are from quite a while after Buddhism got its start I mentioned uh, historians date the life of the Buddha to the 5th or 6th century BCE. The earliest biography that we have, the Buddha Karta, is from about 500 years after he lived, the 1st century CE. There are two major branches of Buddhism, Theravada Buddhism, which uh, the name means uh, the school of the elders in the language Pali. That's more prevalent in Sri Lanka and Southeast Asia. Mahayana Buddhism is more prevalent in East Asia, M Nepal, Malaysia. And then Tibetan Buddhism is kind of its own thing, but um, more within Mahayana. And there is a kind of a defined canon within Theravada Buddhism, uh, the Pali canon written in the Pali language, which is sometimes called the uh, Tipitaka or the Tripitaka, which means three baskets. 
so like it's split up into kind of three like baskets of like kinds of kinds of texts. Uh, the Vinaya Pitaka is the discipline basket um, about like the rules or discipline of the monastic community. Uh, the Sutta Pitaka is the sayings basket, discourses and sermons of the Buddha. And the Abhidhamma Pitaka is um, like elaborations on Buddhist doctrine. I also remember... Um, this came up quite a bit in, in one of my courses, and I, I, I sort of like to highlight it. Jataka tales um, are stories of the previous lives of the Buddha, which you'll which you'll find in in the Pali Canon, in the I think in the Sutta Pitaka, and then there's separate canons in Chinese Buddhism, a separate a separate canon in Tibetan Buddhism, all kinds of Buddhist writings. So um, you know, it's not sort of one widely accepted like sort of scripture it's there it, it's a it's just a different situation than in kind of more more textually based faith traditions so uh the life of the buddha the buddhist tradition regards lumbini in present day nepal to be the birthplace of the buddha siddhartha gautama's father's name was Sudadana. his mother was maya um he's said to be from a very wealthy and aristocratic family of the kshatriya or warrior caste Early Buddhist texts don't say too much about his birth and youth, but later biographies develop that narrative more, talking about young Gautama as a prince and his existential troubles. There are accounts of visions and prophecies of his significance from his uh, from when his mother was pregnant with him and his his young life. According to some early Buddhist texts, he was married. He had a wife, Yasodhara, and a son named Rahula. Biographies speak of Siddhartha's sheltered existence, uh, that he was um, sort of living kind of a charmed life, unaware of the troubles of much of human life, kind of living in the lap of luxury. But at age 29, he made three successive chariot rides outside the palace grounds and saw on those rides first an old person and then a sick person and a corpse, all for the first time. And then on the fourth trip, he saw a wandering holy man whose asceticism inspired him to follow a similar path in search of freedom from the suffering caused by the infinite, infinite cycle of birth, death, and rebirth. He completely abandoned his luxurious existence, spent six years as an ascetic, attempting to conquer the innate appetites for food, sex, and comfort by engaging in various spiritual and yogic disciplines, but didn't, didn't find what he was looking for there. Um, and one story tells of how he sort of departed from that path and accepted milk and rice pudding from a village girl named Sujata as part of his finding the middle way, a path of moderation, neither extreme asceticism nor self-indulgence. And following his decision to stop extreme ascetic practices, he sat down to meditate with the determination not to get up again until full awakening had been reached. This event was said to have occurred under a tree known as the Bodhi tree in Bodh Gaya, Bihar. And there are different traditions about how long he was under the tree trying to attain enlightenment. Um, I've seen the number one day, I've seen seven days, I've seen 49 days, you know, which makes sense given the, you know, sort of the, the, uh, that these are different biographies all written long after his death. I've seen some accounts that say that he sat under the tree, reached enlightenment, and then sat and meditated on his new found 
insight for a week or for 49 days thereafter. But in the, in the course of this, uh, this quest for enlightenment is the, the episode that's referenced in the Jeopardy clue. Um, so several of the biographies depict an attempt by Mara, the ruler of the desire realm to prevent him from reaching Nirvana. Mara sends his daughters to seduce the Buddha. He uh, asserts his superiority and assaults him with armies of monsters. And the Buddha calls on the earth, uh, or in some versions of the legend, the earth goddess, calls the earth to his aid by touching the ground. After his enlightenment, um, he left his seat under the tree and decided to teach others what he had learned, encouraging people to follow the path that he called the middle way, uh, which is one of balance rather than extremism. Um, he gave his first sermon in a deer park in Sarnath on the outskirts of the city of Benares. Um, his first sermon, which is known as the Benares sermon, uh, makes sense, um, focused on <laughs> teaching the the noble eightfold path as the middle path aloof from the two extremes of sensual indulgence and self-mortification. He uh, soon had many disciples. He spent the next 45 years traveling around uh, what's now like northeastern India, spreading his teachings. He presented himself only as a teacher, not as a god or an object of worship. One of my Buddhist professors liked to say that the Buddha said, I'm the finger pointing to the moon. Mm. He's said to have performed many miracles during his lifetime, though. Traditional accounts relate that he died at the age of 80 of food poisoning, having ingested either pork or mushroom that was that was tainted, depending on which account you're reading. Mm. His body was cremated and the remains were distributed among groups of his followers. Relics were enshrined in burial mounds, a number of which became important pilgrimage sites. So that's a, that's a super rough sketch. Um, you can find quite a lot about the life of the Buddha in all those different uh, writings that I referenced. But I thought that that's, that's some of the kind of big points uh, and like areas of consensus and things that I see come up. And I thought I'd, I'd do like a little bit about some of the major like teachings and terms in mm -hmm. Buddhism. So um, I think that I've referenced the four noble truths. Mm -hmm. The four new noble truths in Buddhism are uh, so dukkha is uh, the truth of suffering all or I've heard it summarized as all life is suffering. Samudaya is uh, the source of suffering is attachment or desire or craving, depending on sort of how you're translating. The third noble truth is uh, the cessation of suffering can be attained by uh, the renouncement or cessation of desire. And then the fourth noble truth is the noble eightfold path is the path to the renouncement of desire. So the eightfold path consists of eight practices and like once you start digging into these, there's just a, there, there's a lot. Oh, I'm sure. But but the eight practices are right view, right resolve, right speech, right conduct, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right samadhi, which is translated as concentration or meditation or meditative absorption. Those are sometimes divided into three areas. So like the moral virtue part of the Eightfold Path is uh, right speech, right action, right livelihood. The meditation part of the Eightfold Path is right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration. Uh, and the like insight or wisdom part of the Eightfold Path is right resolve and right view. 
once you start digging into like what does what does right effort mean exactly like that's where <laughs> that's where it starts getting really complicated and sure, confusing yeah. but you don't you don't need to know that for trivia purposes a term that's worth just being able to recognize is um dependent arising or dependent origination it's this uh buddhist concept around the nature and relations of being becoming existence reality um buddhism asserts that there is nothing independent except for the state of nirvana. Everything, all physical and mental states depend on and arise from other states. And in turn, other states arise from them. I don't have my head around this having literally taken graduate courses in Buddhism. But the term dependent arising is worth knowing. And then uh, let me highlight just a couple more things. Uh, the three jewels are the Buddha, the Dharma, which means teaching, and the Sangha, the, um, the monastic coffee. order. Oh, hmm? no. Sorry, I made a joke. I said the coffee. Ah, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah, so the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, Sangha being like the monastic community. So there's a there's like a sort of a prayer or a recitation that we see in many forms of Buddhism around the world, um, various, there are various formulations, but it's like, I take refuge in the Buddha, I take refuge in the Dharma, I take refuge in the Sangha. Speaking of the Sangha, there's this, this sort of ideal that like, and you may have heard like right livelihood or right vocation in the Noble Eightfold Path. There's this idea that like, really like the kind of ideal and like, most righteous and like, like the best path to nirvana is to like renounce everything and like take up like a monastic life in order to kind of focus on like meditation and these practices but you know not not everyone can do that and so there's the there are the five precepts which are like the kind of basic sort of minimum standard of morality for buddhist lay people so you know if you if you can't give everything up and become a monk, you can at least do this. Uh, so that the five precepts are um, to abstain from onslaught on breathing beings is the, the translation I found. Um, but you like to, yeah, <laughs> to abstain from taking what is not given to abstain from misconduct concerning sense pleasures, to abstain from false speech and to abstain from alcoholic drink or drugs that are an opportunity for heedlessness. Yeah, so those are those are the five precepts, you know, if you're if you're not going to become a monk and devote yourself entirely to uh, to meditation, that's your starting point. You're sure. uh yeah. Those are some basics of Buddhism. I think that I've covered a lot of the kind of major terminology that would be likely to come up in trivia settings, although, you know, maybe not. Yeah. yeah. Seems so, like it. uh yeah, there's a lot more to Buddhism, but we, we can stop there. And uh are you ready for a quiz? Yes, I am. Okay. I'm taking this in a mostly kind of pop culture-y direction. Um, a lot of this is going to be Buddhism or um, Buddhist-inspired terms in American pop culture, although there's there's at least one question in here that is that is something else. But, you know, we're working from, from Buddhism, but we're, we're talking more about, like, our American 21st century cultural sure. milieu. Sure. All right. So question one, I wanted a name that was kind of beautiful or nice and pretty instead of a mean, raunchy punk rock name like the Angry Samoans, said the front man of what band, describing how they were named. 
and the name of course is a is a term that comes up in uh in buddhism oh oh gotcha okay i yeah of course is that nirvana it is nirvana (laughs) yeah I, I was trying to go off of like angry Samoans. I was like, "What band is like an ang- like angry Samoans?" <laughs> like, I, yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, that makes makes a lot of sense. Yep, that's how the band Nirvana got its name. It's not clear to me if they engaged at all with the meaning of that word. Um, I, don't, I don't know so, that they did. But yeah, all right. Well, ten points. Speaking of band names. Steppenwolf got their name from a 1927 novel named Steppenwolf. Uh, the author of Steppenwolf also wrote a novel titled Siddhartha, a novel about the life of Siddhartha Gautama, um, or inspired by his life. Who is this alliterative German author? I believe that is Hermann Hesse. That is correct. It is Hermann Hesse. Man, people people were very inspired by his by his work. Yeah. That's a yeah. Uh there's like all these things named after his stuff and inspired by his stuff. Um which I I don't encounter people like really loving Hermann Hesse anymore. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just the circles I run in, or maybe he's maybe he's had his moment. Um, yeah, maybe. Anyway, you are at 20 points. Uh, question three. The Book of Joy, Lasting Happiness in a Changing World, is a collaboration co-authored by two great spiritual leaders who shared an interfaith friendship. One is Tenzin Gyatso, the 14th Dalai Lama. The other was the Archbishop of Cape Town from 1986 to 1994. Who is this man who died on December 26th, 2021? Uh, I mean, the only archbishop bishop I can think of of that area would be Desmond Tutu. Yes, he is the one. Pretty sure I've asked a question about him before, but you I know what? So. People can keep learning about Desmond Tutu. Yeah, he was an important guy. Yeah, he was he was great. So yeah, you know, he he and the Dalai Lama were friends and uh, wrote a book together. I haven't actually read it, but I've I've heard it's great. Um, all right, you're at thirty points. This is going great. And question four: um, Brad Pitt was banned from entering China from 1997 to 2016. The ban was eventually lifted when the film Allied, which was partly financed by a Chinese company, came out. Uh, what film was it that got him blacklisted? 1997. Mm-hmm. Banned from China. With Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. Do I even know movies from 1997? Oh, man. This, I, 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 tr- I have no idea. I'm trying to think of, like... Buddhist themes, it would be banned in China, so, uh, oh, wait, um, oh, what is that called? I, it's, I don't know, it makes me think of Tibet, so I'm thinking of something, something Tibet, and it's like, seven years in Tibet. Yes! It's seven years in Tibet! Yes! Yeah, it's seven years in Tibet. Nice work! That, that was a, that was a process, but you got there, yeah. Yes. Yes, the, the Chinese government isn't a big fan of sympathetic portrayals. <laughs> right, really anything referring uh, to Tibet. Yeah, really, really not, no. Yeah, all right, you're at 40 points. Question five. The Buddha, the story of Siddhartha, was a 2010 PBS documentary about the life of the Buddha. It was narrated by what actor, a Hollywood star and convert to Buddhism, 
who himself earned a ban from China for an impromptu pro-Tibet speech while he was supposed to be presenting the Oscar for Art Direction at the 1993 Academy Awards. Who is this actor who has never won an Academy Award but did get a Golden Globe for his role in Chicago? I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be able to pull this one. Um, uh, (laughs) Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't think I'm going to get it. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll pass. Okay. It was Richard Gere. Richard Gere. Yeah, never mm-hmm. was going to get there. Absolutely yeah. not. Yeah, convert to Buddhism. Um, like, very, very, uh, very, very serious about Buddhism. Um, and, uh, and got, got banned from presenting Oscars. Oh, nice. Uh, as well. <laughs> Um, Stick yeah, to the as, script, well, man. As, as well as as well as banned from China. Um, so, yeah. All right. Well, you're at 40 points. Um, and our, our final category is sitcoms. Sitcoms. Uh, mm, I will do 30. All right. For 70 points. She is a free spirited yoga instructor with a perhaps culturally appropriative first name bestowed by her hippie parents. He's a straight-laced lawyer with an Ivy League college degree. Opposites attract, they get married on their first date, and hilarity ensues. What is this sitcom starring Jenna Elfman and Thomas Gibson that ran from 1997 to 2002? Jeez. That was exactly in the time when I just, like, absolutely did not pay attention. Mm. Um... Jenna Elfman. Oh man, I I I'm getting nothing here. Ah, uh, um, I do not know. So I am going to guess the Eightfold Path. <laughs> That's a great guess. Dharma and Greg. Dharma and Greg. Oh, of course. Oh, mm. of course. But you see, I never, ever watched that, so I have no idea that that's what it's about. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what it's about. Okay. <laughs> it, was, it was not especially memorable. Um, but yeah, think, thinking back on it, I'm like, mm, mm, yeah. 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 Okay. Don't, don't, don't name your kid Dharma. Okay. <laughs> don't do it. Um, I accept yeah. this loss. Well, you know, you, you, kept, you kept back 10 of your points, so it, it could be worse could be worse but yeah no nice job this was a this was a good one feel it felt like we were on a in a good rhythm for a little bit there and then i i headed for the wrong years for for your pop culture experience (laughs) okay i should learn them sitcoms man there are so many of them there's so many there's so many of them and they're indistinguishable Many of them are, yes. Yeah. But anyway, uh, thanks for making a podcast with me. And uh, thank you, listeners, for spending your time with us. Make sure to subscribe where you get your podcasts. Uh, Leave a rating or review, if you would. If you want to check out our Patreon, it's patreon.com slash potentpotables. And if you have friends who are into Jeopardy, um, or who have gotten into Jeopardy because there's a new Super Champ, um, let them know about our podcast. That's right. You can all find us on Facebook at Potent Potables, on Twitter at Potent Potables 1. Our email address is potentpotablescast at gmail.com, and our website is potentpod.com. And we will be back next week with another week of Jeopardy recaps and a deep dive and quiz. And until then, may your minds be quick and your buzzers be quicker. Mm-hmm.